You know, there's been a lot uh, in the conversation, certainly of late, about long-term care um, and all, of course, the never-ending issues that plague it. I don't know if it's you know, wait lists that take the headlines, whether it's deplorable conditions, uh, general care. Long-term care is, is always in the news. And a big part of it is, you know, how do we get consistent and compassionate care, which is very hard. So I found it interesting reading about this pilot project at a, a Toronto-run long-term care facility that's trying to change the fundamental delivery of care to its residents. And so they want to focus more on the actual care. And not for all patients, but giving them their own kind of care, not a one-size-fits-all approach in this whole warehousing um, scenario that we have kind of been working with over the last uh, couple of decades. But more, you know, what works for Doug may not work for Sally. So let's make sure each has a program that works for them. Let's uh, bring Dr. Sandra Hitzik into the conversation, senior science at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center, also who is working on the implementation of this program. So great to have you. Thanks for having me, Alex. You can correct me where I'm wrong. Um, this is called uh, Care Toronto. So this is a pilot project being carried out at Toronto's Lakeshore Lodge. So we're talking a city-run, uh, you know, uh, long-term care facility. Explain to me the, how they're trying to do this uh, um more of a care individually package versus a one-size-fits-all. Right, and and that's right, Alex, uh, the things that you were explaining, it really is about taking into account the uh, residents' you know, emotional needs and preferences and how their care is delivered. So the city is called this care TO. And so rather than focusing on task-based care, so making sure that Mr. Smith is up at 8 a.m., that his teeth are yeah. brushed, that you know he's down at the dining room uh, by 9 a.m., that Mr. Smith, if he wants to get up you know, a little bit later, he has that choice. If he wants to eat in his room, they now have mobile food carts so that uh, the resident can eat you know, in the room and get out when they're ready to do that. They have more control and say in terms of how the home is decorated. So the residents you know, work with the staff to pick the paint colors. Uh, so all of these things are giving much more agency and autonomy to the uh, residents to decide what their home should look like, which is making it a more home-like experience for them. Yeah, and, and that is not a small feat. I mean, if no. it, it, to be able to do this is, um, is a constant source of um, investment, but it also requires time. Um, one of the big things is, as we see in long-term care, is, you know, it's like, yeah, to your point, they get up at 8, they eat their dinner or breakfast at 8.30, and then they go, or I guess they're parked by the nurse's station for, for eight hours while, you know, the, the caregivers try to do all their other work. So it does require, then, a team that will have the time to do it because so, so often it's that, that the caregivers don't necessarily have enough time to give the care. How does that then fundamentally change to make sure that Jim can eat in his room while Sally goes to the dining room? Yeah, for sure. So one thing that they have invested in is uh, an increased staff to resident ratio. So there is, you know, a less residence to staff, which gives the staff more time to actually socialize and interact with the residents. Uh, residents have commented since CareTO has been introduced, they don't feel the staff are as rushed and trying to get everything done. There's opportunities for, you know, conversations or, you know, playing a quick game of cards, uh, which has really, you know, uh, improved the whole social atmosphere. Um, as well, the staff have received uh, new education and training about person-centered care. So they're much more aware about issues of, you know, diversity and inclusion, again, because as you go to different homes, uh, you know, uh, the residents in one home may look completely different than those in another, and even the staff culture might be different. 
So yeah. there's a lot of this training to really get everybody to understand what CareTO is about and to have a shared goal. And if you have that shared understanding, it makes it much easier for them to work together and, and actually make meaningful changes. And I don't know if it's too early in the program, but is there data being gathered or has it been um, you know, gathered as to things like, does it extend life expectancy? Does it uh, cut out other stresses, uh, other health issues that might uh, arise from being in a, I mean, look, long-term care, and I'm not, this is not at the frontline staff in any way, but it's a pretty awful place. It, it, they're, mm -hmm. you know, they are so low funded and there's such a huge demand for the services that, that they can be not necessarily the greatest place. And so... Do we have data that would show what putting this kind of care into people will do for their life versus sticking them in the same old, um, you know, system, one size fits all system? Right. Well, with regards to the, the pilot project, we, we don't have any hardcore data yet. So, you know, our role at Sunnybrook was to go in and help them, uh, you know, the team at uh, Lakeshore Lodge understand what was working well uh, with CareTO, uh, where were their opportunities to improve. And we obviously heard from residents and families that they really appreciated the changes. But in terms of the longer term uh, metrics to evaluate it, if residents are, you know, feeling happier and, and, and you know, better cared in their homes, in theory, it should lead to, you know, reduced use of medications, which we know uh, is an issue in long-term care for managing uh, difficult behaviors. Uh, we might see lower uh, staff turnover uh, over time. And so these are the metrics that we're trying to, uh, you know, inform uh, the city and Lakeshore Lodge in terms of what they should be looking for so that they can get that data and advocate for more resources uh, to keep this model going. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of dignity and, and compassion, I think, goes a, a very long way. Having said that, so this this is a five-year program, as I understand. So it's a $16 million cost, and that mm -hmm. is, I guess, expected to turn into 272 positions at the uh, city's 10 municipality um, long-term care facilities. But in the bigger picture, the bottom line is we are going to have to spend money if we want better care. How do we do it and make sure that this is actually um, working? Because we hand out funding all the time, doctor doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily go to what it ends up, you know, it, it tends to go to a lot of administrative fees, et cetera, et cetera. But how do we know that we can pull this out and make it a bigger project, um, you know, without, I guess, uh, bursting through and always having more demand for funding? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And that's something that came up as we talked to, you know, uh, staff at uh, Lakeshore, at the city, residents and family members, because that's the concern is that you have these great models coming uh, to these homes. Sometimes they unfortunately fizzle out because of a lack of funding. So yeah. by, again, us using this implementation and helping to co-create uh, how this model should look, how it should uh, roll out, when you have that buy-in, sometimes these answers can come up because the staff start incorporating it into how they should deliver care and it becomes sort of standard practice. So if we can achieve this culture change and, you know, even simple things like that I talked about where you give the residents more choice, these are things yeah. that are, I think a lot of homes can implement. And then as the data comes in over the long term, so again, if we can reduce uh, the cost of, you know, unnecessary medications, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, staff are staying longer term, then hopefully this will translate into those cost savings uh, that will promote this model. But it, it is it's an ongoing issue. And I think with the aging population, it's something that we're going to continue to uh, reflect upon. And just quickly before I let you go, I know that there have been lots of other different kind of pilot projects. They may have been in private care uh, facilities, but has anything like this been done that's uh, comparable or is this kind of new territory? 
So from my understanding, and my expertise is really in terms of implementation, so I've done a lot of uh, senior-related initiatives to help these new models of care roll out. But from what I'm seeing, this is really a big culture change uh, in long-term care because it's really giving a lot more control and agency, again, to the residents and family members. So they're really an active part of the decision-making. So they're deciding right. what goes on the menu, how their care is delivered, all those things. And, you know, it, it's a risk because all of a sudden, you know, it's not in the hands of the providers uh, and, you know, becomes much more democratic in how that's delivered. So from my viewpoint, this has really been seen as transformational and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, it will lead to a lot of positive outcomes for residents and family members. Absolutely. No question about it. Needs change. And I certainly hope this is something that does, in fact, uh, lead to that. So thanks so much. I, I appreciate it. We'll chat again because I do think it's a, an important conversation to make sure people understand, um, you know, the changes that we need. Thanks, doctor. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Sandra Hitzig, who is part of this particular um, program that's being implemented. It's such a small thing. It, it, dignity, flexibility, compassion, it, it would go a long way. Don't want to have breakfast at 8? Okay, 8.30. You come down when you want. It's, it doesn't sound like much, but if you've been into some of these facilities, ugh, it, it does, I think, uh, is something that we should strive for.